Callaway Golf can't stop pushing limits, which is how they have managed to be the number one irons in golf for five consecutive years. That's why they used AI to create the new Maverick irons. AI is engineered a flash face cup in every Maverick iron for better distances in your entire set. Each club's center of gravity is positioned to optimize launch and help players find new distances. Get new distance at CallawayGolf.ca. Callaway, the number one irons in golf. After a months-long campaign hampered by the COVID-19 pandemic, the Conservative Party of Canada will soon have a new leader. The deadline for ballots is just days away, and it's anticipated Andrew Scheer's successor will be crowned on August 23rd. Just who that will be is very much up in the air. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. The National Post's Brian Platt joins me to talk about why Peter McKay's frontrunner status isn't a lock, where Aaron O'Toole could be vulnerable, and how Leslin Lewis and Derek Sloan could play spoiler on a ranked ballot. Don't forget you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Brian, in the middle of this pandemic, people may be forgiven if they forgot the fact that Canada's official opposition party has been in the middle of a hotly contested leadership contest. What can you tell us about the conservative leadership race? How long has this race been going on for? And when are things supposed to actually wrap up? The race has really been going on since the election ended uh, last October, but it officially kicked off in January. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be over by now. The race had originally been scheduled to conclude at the end of June, but that got delayed because of the pandemic. And in April, the race was essentially completely suspended because it was just becoming impossible for regular campaigning to happen. The Conservative Party didn't have anybody at their headquarters to process ballots as they came in. So the party had to suspend the race, reschedule it, and now it is finally set to conclude this coming weekend. Officially, the last day that ballots can be received is Friday, August 21st, and we should have the results announced on Sunday. Over the last few months, as you say, campaigning shut down for a period. Things got kind of sleepy. We've narrowed it down to a slate of four candidates. We have Aaron O'Toole, Peter McKay, Leslin Lewis, and Derek Sloan. What have been, do you think, kind of the overarching themes of the campaign? Is it all Justin Trudeau is terrible? Is it we need to appeal to the conservative base? What issues have really kind of come up so far in this race? It's been odd. Candidates haven't been able to campaign publicly the way that we're used to in these things. We normally would have had a whole bunch of debates. We hardly had any. We had two official ones, one in English, one in French. Normally, there are a bunch of other debates that would happen, but most of those had to get canceled because of the pandemic. Candidates have been mostly doing this race through a lot of Zoom meetings and things like that ever since March, which is very strange for a leadership race. Mm -hmm. So I think it's actually kind of hard to identify a theme of this race and what has been the dominant issues. The conservative leadership races also, I mean, they really swing to the right on the ideological spectrum because you are really trying to rally the conservative base. And so there has been discussion about how to win the next election and how to beat Justin Trudeau. But I would say a lot of that has actually been more overwhelmed by saying things that the base likes to hear. And I suspect whoever wins this race will have to do some pivoting afterwards to try to figure out how to actually take down Trudeau. So for example, 
on the environmental platform, which is a huge focus because of how the Conservatives can put forward their own environmental platform that they believe will appeal outside of their party to the whole country. And that's one of the biggest debates facing the party. Mm -hmm. We haven't actually heard a whole lot about how they might have that in order to win an election. Mostly what you've heard is railing against carbon taxes because that's what the conservative base wants to hear. And so I actually think that it's pretty hard to identify a theme. The closest thing we have to a theme, perhaps, is whether or not this is a Peter McKay runaway victory, because McKay entered this as the front runner, and now I think the race has tightened up quite a bit. You think you would probably still consider McKay the favorite, but I don't think that he is a runaway favorite anymore. Yeah, as you say, early in the campaign, it seemed like Peter McKay was going to wipe the floor with whoever stepped up to challenge him, even Aaron O'Toole, who has some profile as being a senior member of Stephen Harper's caucus before the 2015 election. You have four candidates, two who are more well-known and two who are a little lesser known. But I mean, what are the concerns for Peter McKay here going into the deadline for ballots to be in? Is it that he's seen too much as a front runner? Is it that because you have a ranked balloting system and the other contenders are a little more to the social conservative side of things, he's automatically put at a disadvantage if he doesn't get 50% on the first ballot. What are kind of the paths to victory for McKay? Early on in the race, when we had a bit of a wider field, McKay has been frequently described as basically a red Tory, part of the Tory establishment, you know, a very centrist politician. And I'm not sure how, how if that's really true, if you dig into McKay's record. McKay is very conservative on some issues and, and more moderate on others. And I think it's kind of hard to sum him up with just like a, a label like Red Tory. I mean, that's certainly been the strategy of Aaron O'Toole. And uh, you'll also hear that from the social conservative candidates in the race, who in this case are Leslie Lewis and Derek Sloan. And so McKay... A lot of his campaign has been has been fighting that perception to say, here are my strong red meat conservative policies. His campaign team is made up of people who ran Doug Ford and, and Maxime Bernie leadership campaigns recently. Mm-hmm. He actually has a more right-wing campaign team. And I think that's why the messaging has sometimes been, a, from his campaign, has been a little bit all over the place. But I think one thing McKay has really tried to do during this campaign is to say, I am not the caricature that my opponents are painting me as. I'm a real dedicated conservative. I was part of this party's founding back in 2003 with Stephen Harper when we merged the Progressive Conservatives and the Canadian Alliance. Mm-hmm. I have a long history in this party. I'm a, you know, died in the wool conservative through and through. And if you want to bring together all parts of the party, you should vote for a guy who has the longest history in this party out of the candidates on the final ballot and and was there right at the founding of the party 15 years ago. His main challenger, Aaron O'Toole, has also kind of tried to play up his true blue credentials as well, even though I don't think that many people thought that he was to the far right of the party as it is. Like, is it just a race to say who is the most conservative candidate out of the conservative candidates? I think that there's a lot of that in this race, yes. Aaron O'Toole's clear, one of his main strategies anyway, from the very beginning, was to paint McKay as a red Tory kind of liberal light. And O'Toole's campaign slogan from the beginning was true blue, Mm -hmm. to say, I have the party's base on my side. And McKay's a, you know, establishment, more elite politician and is out of touch. That has been O'Toole's pitch. When you compare the dynamics of the race, you can see why it makes sense that you would want to claim that field for yourself because a lot of other politicians who might have been able to claim that part of the base, Pierre Polyev, John Baird, people like this, 
they all didn't run. And so Tool felt like that was his lane to win, which is to say, I'm the true blue conservative here. Peter McKay is the red Tory. Yeah. A lot of people who have known O'Toole for a long time find that to be a tough label to put on him, and that actually both O'Toole and McKay, in what they believe, there's not a whole lot of difference, in that both are pretty moderate politicians. Leadership campaigns are all about framing and messaging. And part of O'Toole's strategy has been to say, I'm the true blue conservative here, and Peter McKay's the red Tory. And the other part of it, and this is how O'Toole is trying to block McKay from running away with this thing, is to be much more open toward the social conservative vote and to say, I respect you, I will make sure that caucus members are allowed to vote their conscience if if there's a vote in parliament. Mm -hmm. And O'Toole has tried to position himself as palatable to all parts of the membership. So this is a ranked ballot. If it's going to go to multiple rounds, and Peter McKay doesn't just run away with this on the first ballot, which I don't think is going to happen, getting support from people who voted from other candidates is a good path to victory. And that is what O'Toole has tried to do. And in some ways, it's the same way that Andrew Scheer won in the in the last leadership election, which is, you're not strong enough to win this outright, but you are a happy medium for a lot of other voters of other candidates so that you pick up a lot of second and third place votes. Yeah. And that's how you win. And I, that that is what O'Toole is aiming for here. So he's essentially trying to appeal to people who may be picking Derek Sloan or Leslin Lewis as first on their ballot. He's hoping to be their second ballot choices. What do we know about Leslin Lewis and Derek Sloan? For listeners out there who don't know a lot about them, like what is it about them that O'Toole would be appealing to their voters to put him as their second choice to help him to victory? What do they represent in the party? Leslin Lewis and Derek Sloan are actually, it's a very interesting dynamic because they are accurately described both as social conservative candidates in that they are very strongly backed by social conservative groups and people who are voters who are motivated by concerns around abortion and same-sex marriage and transgender issues and especially anything to do with traditional family policies. Mm -hmm. And both Lewis and Sloan get those votes, but they are very different candidates. Sloan has run as a hard right ideological candidate, very inflammatory rhetoric, very hard line, basically saying, these are the things I believe. And if you don't believe me, I don't want anything to do with you. Basically, you're wrong. And, you know, really attacking his opponents. Leslin Lewis has had a much different campaign and quite an interesting campaign. You know, Sloan is a sitting MP. He's only a rookie MP, but he was elected in the last election. He's part of the Conservative Caucus. Lewis has really come entirely from the outside. She has been involved in conservative politics in Toronto. She's a Toronto area lawyer, but she has not ever held elected office. And she's only run for office once, which was in the 2015 election when the conservatives had to dump a candidate over a scandal and needed somebody quickly to replace that candidate. She really was an unknown quantity entering this race. But when she talks about social conservative issues, she does it in a much more thoughtful way. She also makes it clear that that is not the sole factor why she's running for the leadership, that there's a lot of other things around fiscal policies and environmental policies and That's what she puts most of her emphasis on. But she also says, like, if you want to know my views on abortion, this is what they are. I have a very few things I would support legislatively, such as banning sex-selective abortion. But I'm not doing anything else. This is what my agenda is. It's It's a limited, targeted agenda. So you can't accuse me of having a hidden agenda. But let's talk about the other things I want to do. That's kind of how she's run this race. 
And she's picked up a lot of support. And the other thing that is very important to note about Leslie Lewis is she's a black woman. and mm-hmm. uh, She's the only woman on the ballot. She's also a visible minority. I think a lot of conservatives think it's very refreshing to see a candidate like this show that the party is not just the white male party, that they can appeal to different groups of Canadians. And Blessin Lewis has been a very interesting candidate from that perspective, has a much broader support base from what I've been able to gather, and I think will do fairly well on the ballot. Sloan almost certainly will drop off first. Mm-hmm. He may still have a substantial support base, but Leslie Lewis, I think, has become a factor in this race that nobody was expecting when the race started. Is there a path to victory for her, or does it just, this is a race where she gets to elevate her profile within the party, potentially frame herself as maybe a leadership candidate for next time, or perhaps even a senior candidate and even a cabinet minister in a government overseen by Peter McKay or Aaron O'Toole, should they unseat Justin Trudeau whenever the next election comes around? I think it's still going to be pretty hard for Lewis to win largely because she doesn't speak French at all and just doesn't have much of an organization in Quebec. Quebec doesn't have very many conservative members in the province, relatively speaking to other provinces, but it has 78 ridings. It represents about a quarter of all the ridings in the race, and all the ridings are weighted equally. And so if you get largely shut out in Quebec, Quebec's really hard to predict, but I don't think she'll do very well in Quebec. Mm-hmm. It means that it's very hard for her to gain enough support to come out ahead. However, if Sloan does drop off on the first round of balloting, so he comes in fourth place and is eliminated, his votes are redistributed, a lot of Sloan voters will have Lewis as their second choice. And so a huge factor in this race is when Sloan drops off, how much of a boost that gives less than Lewis. And if she is able to stay close to O'Toole and or McKay on the first round, could Sloan's votes put her into second place? Could they even put her into first place? That is a question that is difficult to answer, and it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. The problem is, after that, her down ballot support probably dries up. It's just very hard to see how she gets to first place. I think she could easily finish second place, and I do think that she will likely be running for this party in the future. And I think She's really made a name for herself in this leadership race. If she gets herself boosted into second place because of Sloan's votes, do you think that might spell the end for O'Toole if it's McKay in first after the first ballot? This is why the ranked ballot is going to be so interesting to see why it breaks down on Sunday. Because if Lewis finishes second, that means either McKay or O'Toole has finished third. And if O'Toole finishes third, it probably guarantees a McKay victory. I think most O'Toole voters, and I have this from people, organizers on this campaign are quite sure this is the case as well. Most O'Toole voters will have McKay as their second choice before less than Lewis. Mm -hmm. And so if O'Toole drops off after the first round, so if he finishes third, that probably means McKay wins. If McKay does surprisingly poorly, which I think is possible, leadership races are very hard to predict. I don't think it's likely, but I do think it's possible. That's good for O'Toole. What O'Toole needs to do is stay strong enough that he does not allow himself to get past and finish in third place. Because the strength that O'Toole has is that whether it's McKay or less than Lewis that finishes third and drops off, O'Toole has tried to position himself to pick up their second or third place votes. Regardless of whether Lewis or McKay finishes third, it's probably good for O'Toole. Mm-hmm. Whereas for McKay, he needs O'Toole to finish third 
because he's not likely to get very many social conservative votes and O'Toole's more likely. So if Leslin Lewis finishes third, that is probably bad news for McKay because her support will probably go to O'Toole. You can already see as I'm talking about this that there's a lot of possibilities here. When you start to think about the ranked ballot, there's a lot of ways that this could turn out. And I think the race is a lot closer than anybody expected. As it stands now, we're in a minority parliament situation and Prime Minister Trudeau has prorogued parliament until next month. Do you think that we could be in a situation where whoever winds up on top in this race comes out of the campaign hankering for a general election, looking to unseat the Liberals? Or do you think they may want to take more time to let voters get to know the leader, raise some more money before they decide to try and force a confidence vote in the government? It's really hard to say. Both McKay and O'Toole have talked a big game about wanting to hold an election right away. But generally, when you win a leadership race, you want to spend a bit of time settling in, hiring the staff around you, developing your policy platform. Because of the situation we're in, both the minority parliament and also Trudeau government kind of under siege, especially with the WE scandal over the summer and now with their finance minister departing, which is a gigantic move for any government. Mm-hmm. You know, the liberals, again, seem like they're vulnerable and you have to be ready to contend an election in case it comes to that. You need to have that arrow in your quiver if it comes to that. I think whoever wins this election will know that they need to be ready to run a general election campaign at the drop of a hat. They need to be ready to go. I suspect that won't be their preference. Their preference will be, I need some time to gather my team together, Mm -hmm. develop a good election platform, and really fight this once I'm fully prepared. Well, I guess we'll see who's uh, standing on top come uh, Sunday, hopefully by Sunday. Brian, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks a lot. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest Brian Platt. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.